Brought to you by the Shut Up and Listen Podcast Network. This is the 80s movies your kids can miss. On tonight's show, Marooned, Mooned, and Home Phoned for you by Simon and Jamie. It's Steven Spielberg's 1982 sci-fi super hit, E.T. Penis Breath. Thanks for tuning in to episode 3 of the 80s Movies Your Kids Can't Miss. Please like and subscribe and follow us on Insta at shutup.world. Also our website at shutup.world. This is E.T. Part 1. E.T. Part 2 will be posted real soon and we have one more in the can. I won't tell you what it is. Suffice to say, it's very powerful. Can you feel it? Right, okay. So should we join me to say hello and introduce the movie? Yeah, let's go for it. So we're here. Um, yeah, let's not start with we're here. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're talking about um, the 1982 classic E.T. Extraterrestrial, directed by um, the one and only Steven Spielberg and written by Melissa Matheson, starring, amongst other people, Henry Thomas, who plays Elliot, the little boy, and Drew Barrymore, who plays his little sister. Right. And then his big brother is played by, wait for it, Robert McNaughton. IMDb, yeah, IMDb cuts off the last ha- half of his name. <laughs> Robert McNaughton yeah. is, um, is his big brother. Right. It's fair to say that Drew Barrymore is the only woman that went on to do anything terribly notable after E.T. <laughs> the others still have like very successful acting careers, I'm sure, but none as successful as Drew Barrymore. That's right. Yeah, she's a little star of the show. Um, For sure. Yeah. For sure. So E.T. is, um, the synopsis on IMDb is that a troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape Earth and return to his home world, which doesn't really do it very very much justice, does it really? It does not. That's a bit flat. (laughs) My goodness. Do you want to do... um, do you want to do a brief uh, overview of the plot, more or less, how it unfolds, or do you just want to get into it? Uh, well, is that not the plot? The, the ET well, sure. arrives and... I wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't <laughs> mind fleshing it out a little. I need to get it straight in my head. ET comes down to Earth with his buddies. Yep. Um, his, their horticultural, horticulturalist That's scenes. it. Yeah. Um, and uh, while they're he in gets... the forest looking around, he gets left behind whenever some of the bad guys come. And, uh, yeah. They fly away. And then um, he meets Elliot, uh, a little boy who lives at the edge of the forest. And Elliot brings him into his home. They become yeah. psychically connected. Um, and uh, But then E.T. starts to get sick. Yeah. Um, all the while, the baddies are trying to find E.T. Um, and then it becomes clear that E.T. wants to call home, phone home, in order to, right. to get his uh, family to come and pick him up. And uh, eventually, um, that's what happens. Uh, that's basically the story. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> off the top, I think I would kind of, 
I want to mention a couple of things because they come up throughout the movie, but we can't yeah. say we can't if we point it out in every scene, it's going to get a, become a four-hour podcast. With, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the main thing, a couple of the main things I want to point out are that I want to draw attention to first or note um, are uh, the lighting in the movie. Um, so there are layers of lighting. Like there's basically two, two ways it typically comes out. One is that there's a darkness in the back. So the back, the furthest back is dark. Yeah, then that's in right. In front of the darkness, there's a bright light coming from, and we see it in the opening scene after the spooky credits with the spooky music. There's an opening scene where the little ETs are, um, running around the woods collecting their plants and then the bad guys uh come up and we see uh, i think we see with the man with the keys the first time for the first time i call him the man with the keys or mk yes that's <laughs> right well i think in in the in the cast list that i saw he's just listed as keys so i think that that keys, is perfect. we never got a name for him he's just called keys keys yeah um and uh the thing that, that we see is that the, the, the headlights of the cars with the dark background and then um, and then uh, the flashlights and that motif yeah. of having a, a darkness in the back, a bright light, and then a character in front of the light so that they're backlit and they're somewhat shadowed. And the other way, the other thing you see, so you see this backlighting or throughout the whole movie. And then um, the other thing you'll see is a backlight so that the background is bright. So for instance, a lot of the shots in the, the house, we see light streaming through slats or blinds. That's right. Yeah. So there's that's the light right. in the back, then there's the dark of the house, then there's the character who's backlit by the light coming in, you see. So this backlighting effect is throughout the whole movie. And uh, I'll, okay. I'm going to mention a few times where it sticks out, but I'm not going to call attention to where it happens in every scene because that will just fuck up the podcast. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's okay. one thing. Um, the other thing is the main themes of the movie. I don't want to get into it because I want to talk about it as it happens. But um, I realized as I was watching this, just how deep this is, how, you know, this, this movie is, I think it's, is it identified as one of the best movies ever made? I think it is, generally. I don't um, know. In my, in my mind, it is. Um, it's uh, because because of what it does and the lighting is a key part of that um we often see people emerging from that background darkness or from a shadow into the light we see this a few like quite a few times in the movie this theme of things emerging right yeah um, it, it just happens continuously and there's two two thematic elements that i want to draw attention to one is that et is basically like elliot's heart He's a, although, yeah. you know, in movies, what happens is that a, a metaphor gets projected to life, basically. Like it, it comes alive. It's real in the movie. It's real in the movie world. So everything that's happening in E.T. is happening. It's not all just a dream or Elliot's imagination or something like yeah. that. Everything's happening. But in real life, it functions like a, E.T. is like a metaphor for Elliot's heart or his, um, innocence is childlike innocence uh, or something like that yeah uh, okay being ex essentially being externalized right okay so that's the main thing and then the other thing is that this idea of emerging you know 
so credit's given to Steven Spielberg, who mentions at one point that he he didn't want E.T.'s face to be fully lit um, most of the time. He didn't right, want okay. too much detail on the face. I didn't know that. And so he would be backlit a lot of the time or sidelit. Um, and uh, and that, that, ha- that whether it came from how he wanted to light E.T. or whether he wanted to do it that way for the whole movie, I don't know, but the whole movie is like that. So there's things emerging from darkness. And there's a definite sense in which this movie, despite Steven Spielberg's genius and not taking anything away from the actors or or his what he did or what the writer did, uh, Melissa Matheson, but this movie almost creates itself. I feel like this movie, it it emerges. It's an emergent thing that yeah. that takes as much credit for what it is on its own as any of the writers or artists who worked on it do. Right, the okay. movie is like a character in itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things that makes it such a great movie. It's a it's a movie of movies. You know, it 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 says something about how movies just emerge. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So those are the two things I want to point out, and then I'll probably touch on those as we go along. Do you have any opening thoughts? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apart from like towards the end, I thought, God, this movie could be maybe 30 minutes shorter than it is. <laughs> oh, I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fair enough. You obviously a, really enjoyed it. I'm of the opposite frame of mind. Yeah. One of the things I like most about it is the time that Spielberg takes. Yeah. You know, he says, um, I think Spielberg started out wanting to write something simple um yeah so um no of course the script was written by melissa matheson but i think there was some point at which he said can you write me a script about this yeah and um she went off and wrote it and he loved the first draft and said we're going to make this movie and uh that's where it all came from but his parents divorce is the backgrounder and then there's a certain simplicity about et it is not a complex plot yeah it's very simple and i think spielberg I don't know if he had huge expectations for the movie. He said he wanted to make something sort of simple, a simple story about a boy you yeah. know, whose parents are divorced or whatever, and the alien comes down or whatever the hell. And uh, it's that simplicity, I think. And then he, because he didn't, I don't think he piled a whole lot of pressure on himself to make a great movie. And yeah. so sometimes when you're doing that, it liberates you creatively. Somehow you can just take your time. And and I think that's what he did. And, and the movie itself takes its time. There's lots of, everything in the movie is drawn out and there's scenes that don't need to be there. There's shots that <laughs> yeah. could be cut. There's, yeah, for sure. But there's just a certain feeling that he just slowly took his time because he was less concerned with, I mean, I'm sure as an author, he's concerned with producing the best piece of art that he can. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah. But there is a sense in which you just feel that he was at play almost. There was just a sense. Yeah. Of, a sense of, of indulgence. Totally, absolutely, a sense of indulgence. You get that, like you're bathed in the warm glow of this movie. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, yeah, and it glows itself. It's almost like Spielberg is just revealing it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, carry on. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Should we just get stuck into the movie in the usual way? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Very good. So um, the movie opens up with the spaceship. Um, landing beside or within a forest and it just didn't uh, initially I like this is the first time I've seen E.T. I haven't seen E.T. before which is maybe why you've got a a stronger emotional connection to (laughs) is because it's from your childhood Um, so it's uh, in a way it's that kind of uh, 
nostalgia that you feel too. Um, yeah. So I, I assumed that the aliens crash landed whenever before I watched the movie. I thought it was like the aliens <laughs> crash landed, but obviously they didn't. They just landed to gather up some specimens. There were quite a few of them foraging around in the forest, and um, we see that inside the spaceship there's some kind of greenhouse or a collection of things that they've collected from all different planets. Um, and E.T. sees a bunny rabbit and he chases after the bunny rabbit and by happenstance he was seen by these men who were in the forest to try to catch them, I guess. Yep, they're there. Um, um, very casually dressed and very casually um, in their trucks and stuff for a government yeah. agency. We later find out <laughs> that they're a government agency. Bad guys in Chevys, that's what I've got written here. And then the <laughs> yeah. man with the keys, Mr. M.K., uh, yes, that's it. We see him for the we see his keys jingle jangle for the first time there. That's it. Um, we also see that the aliens communicate telepathy or through tele through telepathy. When they yep. get summoned back to the spaceship, ET's chest starts to glow, and he doesn't make it back in time whenever they all go. And then we right. end that scene with just this panned out shot of what looks like um, Los Angeles, I guess, in the valley. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this sprawling urban sprawl down below. Yeah. Um, Notably, I've got written here um, the fingers. Let me see those fingers. <laughs> That's what they used to say. <laughs> yeah. In shooting stars, you know, uh, Vic and Bob, you know, one of their. Yeah. Like, Let me see those fingers to push the buttons. <laughs> yep, obscure reference. Um, sorry. But I was thinking, let me see those fingers whenever we see E.T.'s fingers all the time. And he holds up the two fingers like this. And, and then we also see pears. We see this shot of these huge giant trees. And there's this particular That's pair right. of trees that get a, get a few extra seconds there just to say, you know, pairs of things. And uh, yeah, you know, it really fingers. is a beautiful forest that they're in. Like that's a mm. really beautiful old, old forest. Like those trees were enormous. Um, yep. Really, really gorgeous and mm-hmm. very well shot. So from there, we move to Elliot's house. So we see him and his brother and his friends, his brother's friends. They're playing a role-playing game of some kind. Um, And he wants to join in, but they won't let him. He says he's ready to join in. They won't let him. They send him out to gather pizza. Did you you hear how they ordered the pizza? Like he was on the phone ordering the pizza? Yeah, the cord phone. (laughs) Yeah, the the red cord phone and he orders the Papa Umamau or something like that. Oh, yeah, I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he said they wanted a Papa Umamau and uh, totally, uh, yeah, it took me a couple of listens and then I had to turn on sound titles, subtitles to hear what it was. Um, okay. And he repeats it back a couple of times and that's the title of a track that's on the soundtrack, the movie theme. Oh, cool. Um, and a song from like 1962, but I haven't really done any deep dive on it. But I thought that was a bit a bit funny, like it was a bit quirky. Yeah, that's neat. Um, and then whenever he's sent out to collect the pizza, one of the guys says, um, plenty of sausage and pepperoni, but uh, anything but the little fishies. And it's like, well, he's not there to order the pizza. He's going to collect it from yeah. the, the driveway. Yeah, that was a lot there. Um. So yeah, they were. It was just a nice little scene where they were playing the role playing game. He goes out to get the pizza, and he discovers um, ET in the shed, or he hears the clanging noises, and goes off to explore. Right, throws um, the ball in, and uh, the ball comes back out again. Yeah, and that is the part where we hear absolute power for the first time. Um, yes, that's where right. Michael, Michael, his brother, says um, the games master has absolute power, and it's up to him if Elliot can participate. Um, 
Yeah. That does come and up then, a few times. Mm-hmm. And then I would go to the shed, the uh, the garden shed, it seems, where Elliot's come back up with the pizza and he hears noises. He goes to investigate and there's light streaks pouring from the shed yeah. and uh, darkness in the background. And uh, 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 yeah, a couple of lines that came in the kitchen there or in the, before they left the room, I think he said, oh yeah, when, is it when he comes back in? It's one of them saying, you don't win at life. She's asking them how to play the game, but nobody wins in the game exactly because they're there explaining the concept of a role-playing game. Right, and okay. So one of them says, nobody wins, and they say, you don't win at life. And then one of the other says, money helps. Yeah, and, uh, that's right. Yeah, and then Elliot blasts into the room. Uh, oh, I should we say something? Oh, sorry, before he comes back in, I guess he has his little encounter with E.T., but we don't get the impression there's an actual face-to-face here where he sees him face-to-face. He doesn't, that's right. He just throws the ball in and the ball comes back out and it freaks him out. Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. So suspense is building here. And uh, Spielberg's Spielberg's taking his time um, with this part of the movie. Elliot runs in and they don't believe him. He says, it's real, I swear. And this is a a classic trope of the movies where there's a character in the beginning who everyone says is crazy and uh, nobody will believe them. Um, it was so funny. I thought it was a really touching moment. Whenever he um, he he goes back in and he tells everybody to shut up and really quietly he whispers, "Yes, um, nobody go out there." And then there's like a pause <laughs> of like two or three seconds, and then they all burst out laughing. <laughs> That's right, and they all run outside. The boys all run outside, and then so but this funny is, and so I have authentic. A note. Yeah, I have a note here that uh, uh, Elliot is smart. And we see this a few times from Elliot. He is a smart boy and he does that on purpose. He, he works reverse psychology on them. He yeah. wants people to go out and look. They won't believe what he's saying. So he says, nobody go out there. So they all <laughs> charge outside. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. Really good. And of course, the teenagers, the first thing they do is run to the sink and grab a bunch of knives off the chopping block. Talk yeah, about extreme right. violence. My God. I totally. thought knife crime was a, a more uh, a newer phenomenon, but I guess back then <laughs> um, maybe it just wasn't talked about as much. Well, um, as we get when they do go outside and uh, Michael says to the, co- the coyote's back, Mom, um, I yeah. guess they had a coyote problem at one point and we do hear yeah. the coyotes calling out in the woods anytime we're out in the forest. Um, and also they see the footprints on the ground and that you would associate with Sasquatch. You know, you'd be thinking um, this is like a creature feature element here. Yeah, um, that's there right. Are, there are creature feature feelings about E.T. and the creepiness and the spookiness around the first, um, yeah. the first part of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, so they don't find anything in the shed apart from the footprints. They all head back inside and we cut to Elliot in bed with the dog under the bed. And yep. our our picture, our attention is drawn to like the picture of his dog for some reason, which I thought was odd whenever we arrive in that space. The first thing you see is the framed picture of the dog um, beside his bed. Um, and then he hears things from outside again and he goes back out to the shed. Yep. Um, there's nothing there and he starts to have a wander through the cornfields <laughs> which is yeah. what age would you say Elliot is in this movie like 8 maybe, 8 or something 9 something like that, yeah and weird that there is a cornfield in their backyard I don't know how many people <laughs> keep have a cornfield between their backyard and the forest I was questioning, I'm like, is that corn? what is it doing there, seriously? yeah um, <laughs> Especially with the first, like after the opening scene where you look down and it's like a sprawling metropolis. You yeah, know, where right. the fuck is this cornfield? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, we'll give him a bit of artistic license there, I for guess. For sure. Um, 
the bravest eight-year-old. I don't think I'd go off wandering in a cornfield in the middle of the night, you know, looking for yeah. a strange creature. For um, sure, yeah. But he goes off and he finds E.T. and they both scream. Um, mm -hmm. And E.T. runs off and he chases him back through the back garden and uh, E.T. knocks over his garbage cans and the swings and things like that. Yep, that's right. Um, yeah, and uh, is this the point? No, does he chase him into the woods here? No, he doesn't. He goes... He stops at the back gate. He stops at the back gate because he's scared. That's right, yeah. Okay. That's right. So he stops at the back gate and then the next, uh, I think it cuts to the next morning when he yep. goes out and tries to find him. Um, he cycles off and tries to find him with his bag of um, Reese's Pieces. The first That's product, right. The first product placed in, <laughs> in, this, yeah. in this movie. Um, a bag of Reese's Pieces that he's, he's laying down as if they're like breadcrumbs, I guess, to lead him back. That's right. Um, there's definitely a few fairy tale elements in in the movie um, yeah. that are pur purposefully invoked, I think. And here, well, we see a couple of things here. One is Elliot Smart again. You know, yeah. he's, he's got a strategy to bring uh, to tempt ET back to the house, or to coax him out of the forest. Definitely. Um, and there's this sort of there's an element of Hansel and Gretel with the breadcrumbs leaving a trail through yeah, the forest. That's and right. there's, there's also I felt Jack and the Beanstalk with the magic beans. Yeah, you know, whenever, yeah. whenever E.T. comes back with the beans later, puts them in L.A.'s lap, it's like, here's, here's your, here's your yeah. beans, the magic worked. It's funny, <laughs> I know, I know, funny. Mm -hmm. um, yes. While he's down about in the forest, he sees the man with the keys, yep. um, who's still looking for E.T. Um, and then we cut to dinner back at Elliot's, I guess. They're back at Elliot's with the mum. Um, and uh, the first scene that we encounter with Drew Barrymore as the little sister. Mm -hmm. I've forgotten her name. What's her name? Uh, Gertie. Gertie, that's it. Um, <laughs> and they're talking about Halloween costumes and stuff, and his brother asks if his goblin has come back again. And they're suggesting maybe it would be an alligator and a galguana. Um, and this is the first time that we find out what has happened with um, their dad. So where the dad is, the dad has been absent up until now and that hasn't been commented on. And we find out that he is in Mexico with his girlfriend. Right. Yep. And we get the what is it conversation here. Um, yeah, we, that's right. This, there was similar talk in uh, uh, Batteries Not Included. Um, and there are a couple of moments where they're trying to figure out what exactly ET is. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this is that uh, part. And uh, uh, we get sort of what some people say is one of the thesis statements, I guess, of the movie, uh, where um, Michael says, uh, well, first of all, is one of the funniest lines in the movie, where um, he's, Michael's trying to guess what it is, and he starts to, first of all, he's sincere. I think there's a, something you notice about the, the three child, children here in this movie is that there's a deep sense of trust between them and they actually do. Yeah, for sure. Although they antagonize each other somewhat, they actually do make an effort to hear each other uh, yeah. at various points in the movie. And Michael starts out in an earnest attempt to figure out what it might be, but then he gets nowhere with Elliot and then he gets frustrated and starts to make funny of them. <laughs> and <laughs> Elliot says, it's nothing like that. Penis breath. <laughs> <'Cause in laughs> That's, penis right. Breath. That's right. And, uh, he does. He said, is, yeah. it, is it a leprechaun? And he suggested it's a leprechaun, <laughs> and that's when he goes, that's when he said it. <laughs> yeah. But it is funny. I love how um, this this has so this just has levels, this little exchange, because uh, we're really also does. getting we're also getting situated in the mythology of um our species, basically, um where where um ET is sort of being ushered into the mythological 
architecture yeah. like aliens have been over the last however many years and uh this hilarious moment and then um uh mary's reaction when she laughs so spontaneously when elliot yells penis breath it's just it's so perfect you know like there's yeah. a number of parts in this movie where everything is just delivered perfectly um and that's one of those moments well, I think that's why it's so magical is because it comes across with real authenticity. Like you totally. get a feeling that they're actually, that they're great friends, that they are. Like, it's almost like you're observing a real family. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like the whole exchange around um, who was going to wash the dishes and then mm-hmm. um, Mike, his big brother, giving him a hard time for what he said about um, his dad being off in Mexico with his girlfriend um, and how upset his mum was and all that kind of stuff. Like you get a real sense of the emotion, you know, the genuine emotion that's that's felt in those kind of moments. Um, so yeah, I think yeah. that was a really great scene. But I was going to say the thesis statement and I forgot. <laughs> uh, the th- it was when Michael says, why don't you grow up and think about other people? Think about how, think how other people feel for a change. Yeah. And, and some people have made out that this is this movie is some some ways about Elliot becoming less of a self-focused child and more of a yeah, okay. uh, more emotionally mature and in, in terms of thinking about other people um, and helping others yeah. and then et sort of helps him to do that because he learns to care for others through caring for et yes, i think that's okay. I, I i do see that that element is there but i don't think that's the main point of this movie or um or even the the driving motivation really i don't think elliot does want to help et but that to me is not the centerpiece of the the theme no, I think I would agree. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think I would agree. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I don't know what the main theme is of the movie. Like, I don't know that I could articulate, <laughs> articulate <laughs> what it is. I mean, I have ideas, some um, but yeah. we'll get to it. But um, it's very close to my heart, of course, because there's an absent father. Um, but um, we'll talk. I, I guess I want to get more into that whenever, whenever. That... It, like Ronnie is an absent father, is that? No, no, it's me. I'm the absent father. Jimmy. Oh, I see. Um, I get it. Yes, yeah, okay. For I our get it. If you don't know, my kids are currently in another country, and I don't want to get yeah. into too much personal detail. But this movie just resonates with me way too much. Yeah. So I, yeah, but um, well, but oh, as we go, I, sad time. I, I know, I know. I think this is. <laughs> This is really the main theme of the movie is we might as well talk about it a little here because this is the first time we're really hearing that we find out that Mary's divorced. Yeah. Dad is away. And there's and someone pointed out in another podcast that there are some there are some gaps in the conversation where there's a little moment's pause where you think that another voice might be. And that's the voice of the father who's not there. Right. OK. And um, we also have these we have some scenes in the movie. I'm not sure if this is one where maybe not but uh where we we have a scene with the family and then or the characters and then we have another scene immediately followed up with the man with the keys who's outside somewhere or he's somewhere listening or doing something and it's like he is the shadow father he's like the shadow dad yeah okay he's not elliot's dad of course but he's the he's like a shadow of the dad lurking in the background there yes and yeah i guess that kind of father figure comes out whenever him and elliot meet then later on in the movie exactly exactly and he delivers a key line which really sums all that up but we'll get there Let's not get um, ahead of ourselves. Yes, right, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was a bit of argument about who was going to do the dishes. Elliot heads off to do the dishes and he stares out the window um, yeah. at the sky. And then we cut to him sleeping outside with the torch. So he's decided That's that he's right. going to camp out in the back garden. Yeah. Yeah. Right at the end of that, um, 
right at the end of that scene, we see, and I said, I'm not going to mention this in every scene where it happens, but right here, um, I'll mention it. Mary is turns around and she comes out of a shadow and her face comes into the light and she said, he hates Mexico. And then we switch over right. to, then we cut over to Elliot by the sink and he's seen obscured through the steam rising up from the the water. Oh, yes, so there's the water, there's this, yeah. Yeah. So there's this constant motif of obscured um site where right, okay. someone's behind steam or they're behind something and we get an obscured yeah. their vision is obscured or something like that that comes up continuously. That's really interesting. I hadn't picked up on that. I'll have to take another look. Um yeah. I watched it with Jack the first time and he only cool. It was it was coming up to bedtime, so we need to watch the second half because he had mm-hmm. to go to bed. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely keep an eye out for that whenever I watch it again. I actually wrote down in my notes very smoky. That was whenever he's outside in the shed. He was outside sitting outside the shed, and it's very mm-hmm. smoky as ET walks out. And uh, I thought it was fog rather than smoke, but oh well, yeah, it is. But it's fake. It's it's fake. It's fake fog. Oh, it's like okay, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that, and it wasn't just that it was foggy. It was that, like, as ET walked out, there were little puffs of of the fake smoke. Were there not? As he walked out, probably. I, think there was. I didn't notice it, but probably. Um, yeah. And uh, he's speechless as ET gets uh, close and starts to reach out. Nobody quite knows what's going to happen here, and he drops the Reese's pieces on his knees. Yep. Yep. He does. He gives him the magic beans. He says, "Here's your beans." He doesn't say that. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's followed the trail of candy, and he's brought Elliot back his candy. Um, yeah. And then they head into the house. Elliot takes yep. him up the stairs with the Reese's pieces again, showing his intelligence. That's it. Yeah. Very good. We see a can of coke on its side um, in Elliot's room, along with a few other toys that we get um, to see as the camera pans around. Um, nothing really that I noticed stood out. There was a fish tank, a, a TIE fighter, some paints, a weird head. Um, and then E.T. and Elliot start pretty much copying each other's gestures. Um, and uh, Elliot gets a bit hypnotized, I wrote down. Um, it would be very, I think, like whenever he kind of gets really sleepy and kind of moves and, and sits down on the chair and falls asleep, I thought mm-hmm. that would be quite odd for a kid to do on the night that he just met an alien. Like, you're not just going to meet the alien yeah. and have up to your room and then go to bed, you know what I mean? For sure, yeah. So I wondered if he'd been hypnotized or or what. Yeah, I'm not sure, um, but I had the same notes, the syncing up. Um, there's yeah. a, number, a number of points in the movie where E.T. and Elliot start to sync up, and this is one, this yeah. is more of a conscious um, syncing where they... Um, or mirroring, I guess, where Elliot makes a motion with his finger. Again, we see the fingers, and yes. uh, and ET mirrors his his motion. And uh, yeah, uh, I also noticed that there's the face touching right there too, like touching the face, and it's like there's a definite sense in which this touching is for me. I think being used by Spielberg to illustrate how it feels for a child or a parent to be separated that you miss the other person's presence, but you also miss comforting things like the touching, the hugging yeah, um, yeah. and those kind of things. And there's definitely a sense of for sure. that in this scene. Um, yeah. Elliot's sort of state of mind. Yeah, definitely. State of spirit, perhaps. Um, yeah. So definitely. Again, yeah, this this trusting relationship being built up between these two, and the in terms of what's in the room, I get you. Like, uh, 
I feel like there's not as much in this movie. There probably is if I spent more time looking at it, but there's not as much in terms of looking at finding weird objects in the room or um, That's stuff right. like that. But but the one thing that does stand out to me about the environment is the clutter and the the sheer amount of stuff that they possess. I know that was a feature yeah. of um, batteries not included too, which we didn't we didn't talk much about the clutter in that, but there was tons of stuff in that too. But in this movie, there's just stuff everywhere. I mean, it's not so only. Rich. absolutely but rich in two senses the word that clearly this person is not struggling for money there's something going on here like that house is absolutely massive it's massive like the rooms are big the kids have their kids rooms are so crammed with toys and objects that you couldn't fit anything else in there that's it they have everything connected by the giant walk-in closet yeah that's right and with 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 a wall of stuffies and outside they have a <laughs> yeah. table tennis table there's so much room underneath there they can have a whole table tennis table there's two sets of uh, outdoor furniture you know yeah. these people are just they just They're seem wealthy. to be <laughs> yeah for sure and um i got the sense the overall sense that there was almost a comment here and this not a comment maybe but the intelligence of the children too like yeah. you see them being read to the literate the literacy that's right. element the the time that they spend together, all the different toys they have. It's almost as if um, this is what the middle class is all about. It's about, you know, having everything, having educated kids, having enough money there to support um, the healthy growth of a family, basically. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. A holistic picture of the family where the, the intel, the intelligence, the psychological health, the, as well as, the commercialist aspect of having all the possessions yeah, somehow right. feeds together into this picture of an American idealized of, family. Yeah. 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 Um, for sure. So then we cut very quickly to men, the guys searching for ET again, um, randomly with metal detectors. Um, in this scene, they were using metal detectors. I don't know what they were hoping to, to dig up. Um, yeah. And Gaga counters and stuff, they come across the Reese's Pieces. And then we're back to Elliot the next day, and he's scamming his mum out of uh, going into school. Yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. I'll, the other thing I wanted to note there was just in the last scene, Elliot begins to start teaching E.T. how to say his name and who he is. So this theme of teaching language or literacy is just throughout the movie as well. Um, was that then? I was that, that then? Or was that later? Maybe it came up twice. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's next. It's next. It's coming up next. Sorry. My bad. I'm getting ahead to I skipped was over it? a couple of lines in my notes. Maybe yeah, yeah, did. for sure. No, no, okay. you're absolutely right. This is um the lamp scene where he, uh, you know, I, and this is this is one of those things I'm saying with how a basic idea of lighting here with the what the other thing about Elliot's room is it's full of lamps. There's randomly just tons of lamps in Elliot's room um, to create yeah. all this this lighting effect, these lighting effects. And now we see how a concept such as how we're going to light this movie starts to. It, it leaches into what's actually happening in the movie, if you see what I mean. Yeah, for sure. To me, this is part of how the movie emerges. It sort of becomes something on its own. It's like um, he has the lamp in his face. It's not the first or only time we see a lamp in Elliot's face. And then he covers his face. So he obscures his head from the light of the lamp. So this happens numerous times in the movie. It's obscuring your face or revealing your face or obscured yeah. vision. And then he heats the thermometer in the lamp. And this is yeah, what he's doing. Right. So. He's faking sick to get off school. 
But it's not yeah. just that we have a scene about a kid faking sick. We also have a lamp in his face, the obscured face. You see what I mean? Yeah, it kind of builds up in layers. Yes, exactly. It's it's uh, it's quite incredible how it happened. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so at the same time, we've got his big brother is allowed to reverse the car out into the street, um, but he's mm-hmm. only allowed to reverse. He's not allowed to drive forward. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't even um, do that very well. <laughs> he nearly crashes into the wall, didn't he? Crash into the wall or the curb or something. He goes um, up on the curb. And then, uh, yeah, I think um, from there, uh, after they leave Elliot, and we have uh, the scene with Elliot and ET. Um, so ET comes out of the closet with his Reese's pieces. Um, and Elliot's trying to get E.T. to talk, so he's showing him all the different things on his desk, like the can of Coke, um, the Star Wars character, the Pez, um, Pez dispenser, and he's um, he's talking about all these different things. Yeah, we go. That's quite a neat little part. Apparently, Spielberg just had all this. There was all this toys and shit on the uh, sitting around on the table, and he just told yeah. um, he just told uh, Elliot, what's his name again, the actor? Oh, Henry Henry Thomas Henry Thomas. That's it. So he just tells Henry Thomas, "Look, just show him your just show him your stuff," and then he just uh, yeah. he just did it apparently, and it, it it works so well. But I like how he there's something happening where he he starts to show him the toys. He shows him the fish, like the the the, yeah. the hierarchy. So he's sort of talking here about what eats what. He's talking about so he's sort of taking him through evolution, and the, nothing eats the shark. It's about eating. Then it's about the you That's eat the right. candy from the pears. And yeah. then you feed. You can eat the peanut, but don't eat the, this peanut. You feed money to the peanut, so it's about feeding yeah. and eating. You feed money to the peanut, and then he says, "This is a car." And because he's been talking about eating, ET takes the car and puts it in his mouth. <laughs> <He> just... <laughs> yeah, I knew. I almost thought that. I'm surprised that that was ad libbed because I thought it was there was a little bit of. Um, it does seem structured, doesn't it? It does, and it seems almost like it's a bit of. Um, oh my god! Maybe, the... maybe I picked it up wrong, and it wasn't ad libbed. I might have just picked that up wrong, but. What was the? Know. I'm trying to. It's it's like it's it's like it's um, propaganda, capitalist propaganda. You put your money in the bank. You need a car to get around. You know, it's it's those kind yes. of yeah, those kind of key capitalist messages about Our how to works. live your life. Um, yeah, for sure. And I, I heard in another podcast that Spielberg is someone said he was a commercialist, I guess. Yeah. Or a consumerist. Maybe that was the word. Yeah. Consumerist. Um, for there's sure. definitely evidence of that in terms of his movies and the product placement, at least in these yeah. and other ones like, that he's produced for sure. You drink the Coke, you eat the candy, you put the money in the bank, you drive around yeah. in your car. You know, it's it's that kind of capitalist propaganda. Yeah, for sure. I mean, okay, that's definitely one take on it, and I don't disagree. But I also feel like, <laughs> I, but I also feel like um, maybe that's just that, how '80s kids were. But you know what I mean? That could just be it's like him. It's, it's it's all the random shit that you see really does situate you in time, but it also gives you a situation of reality. To me, it just feels real. Yeah, you know, but part in part because of all that stuff, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, he heads down, he realizes that he's hungry. He heads down to get E.T. some food. There's a moment where the dog terrifies E.T., gets very shaken up. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike's downstairs getting um, their snack together because he's hungry too. You mean um, Elliot? Sorry, yes, Elliot, not Mike, Elliot. Mm-hmm. Elliot, something scares E.T. I can't remember what it was. He yes, that's right. 
and it frightens him and uh, Elliot drops the milk and gets frightened too. He jumps at the same time, so they're now yep. synced or yep. they're, they're in sync. They're first synced up with a hunger, I guess. There's a hint at that. And then downstairs we see it um, because now yeah. we see that it's a psychic connection because there's no way for Elliot to know what E.T. was doing up there with an umbrella. And yeah. so for sure, he's starting to feel, as Michael says at one point, he feels E.T.'s feelings um, yes. rather than yeah. experiencing his thought. And uh, yeah, and so... I it's one of the things that I like about the movie is that it's always just kind of there in the background. Like it's never explicitly, right. it's very, it's never explicitly challenged or talked about or referenced. It's just yep. suggested. They're just suggesting that this is happening yeah, um, right. and they're not turning. It's like, it's, they're not turning that into the main focus of the story. Like in a lot of other kids movies that could have very easily become the main focus of the story. Whereas totally. in this movie, it's yep. just almost like a side detail. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that could have been endlessly milked in the, yeah. in the, in the plot, but wasn't, and that's definitely. good. It's good that it wasn't. Yeah. It's definitely, only, it's, it's only highlighted once in the very, toward the very end where someone actually draws attention to it in the, yeah. Um, Just in yeah, case you we'll missed see it. That. <laughs> yeah. But we'll get there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Mike spills the milk. He brings up the snacks. E.T. is hiding in the closet and behind a bowl of teddy bears. Um, and I think that's pretty much the end of that scene, isn't it? Yes. Um, the wall of teddy bears is great and we see it several times and it just, yeah, that's right. It creates this sense of vulnerability each time someone's in there. It's a childlike vulnerability that it, it somehow just evokes and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And then we cut yeah. to um, Mike, his big brother, Elliot's big brother coming home in his American football outfit. So he's just back mm -hmm. from playing American football he looks in the fridge and there's nothing deep but all this healthy shit, as he puts it. <laughs> and um, um, he heads upstairs telling Elliot all about his friend who scored 69,000 points on Asteroid but yanked the plug out before it could save. I wonder, is that true? Did he really score those 69,000 points? Was he just full of shit? <laughs> um, and this is the second time where... Uh, the notion of absolute power comes into play that, that Elliot wants Mike to admit that Elliot has the absolute power. Absolute power, yeah. Um, and he wants him to swear on their lives. Yeah. And to close um, his eyes. And again, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. You go. Yep. Um, we get the really, uh, a really authentic kind of poking fun at Elliot where he puts on the Yoda's voice and, mm -hmm. you know, they're just, they come across as being really authentic. Mm -hmm. And then um, he brings out E.T. Yeah. And Michael turns around and looks and you just see his face change. I mean, this, <laughs> and this is brilliant. I mean, because every single character, I think, does this at one point, not every single character, but there's a lot of scenes where, where someone's complete emotional tone just completely shifts. But yeah. instead of the camera switching away, you see them, you see the transition in their, yeah. in their facial expression. I mean, facial expressions are huge in this movie and we just see so many um, different expressions, but in particular, this scene, uh, this, this shot where someone's facial expression just changes. Michael just, he's like, what the fuck is going on? Sort of thing. <laughs> what, what is yeah. that? You know, it's hard to, it's hard to summarize in words. What, 
what that feeling that's being expressed there what is. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the little sister Gertie runs in, and then they all scream. So they all scream together. Um, yep. And including there's just e. total, yeah, including ET. It's just total chaos. The shelves get knocked off the walls, and it's just, it's just chaos. Yeah, that's right. Um, a number of times too. I mean, this is a couple of times we've seen it, but ET has this, and it continues throughout the movie. He, he has a sort of childlike emotional um, mentality. You know, his psychology yeah. is like he he doesn't emote like an adult, and we get the feeling that either. There's two possibilities, and I don't want to get into nerdy technical details, but is that a feature of the ET species in the sense that they're all like that? So ET's an adult, but they're just a species that has extremely highly developed rational ability so they can make spaceships, but emotionally they're like children. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Or is it the case that E.T. himself is a little boy? Is a child, yeah. yeah. We don't really get an explicit answer to that question, and I think that the movie leaves it sort of open that both are possible. It is interesting, yeah. I had thought that, like, is E.T. one of their kids or is yeah. he um, is he just an adult being, mm. you know, whenever they were all wandering about in the forest, they did all seem like they were similar size to E.T. That's and right. although he was left behind, there was no urgency on behalf of the parents to try to find him, you know what I mean? They waited for him to call to say, come back and collect me. Seemingly um, so, yeah. yeah. You mm-hmm. know, um, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So then the mom comes home and they all hide um, and she comes in and asks what happened in here. Um, she said, this isn't a room, it's an accident. Yeah. And just starts being a mom, you know, put the shelves back on the wall, make your bed, keep an eye on your sister, etc., etc. Yeah. There's a few Star Wars nods in the movie um, because, of course, um, Spielberg and George Lucas were buddies. Yeah. And, uh, so Spielberg definitely shows his admiration for Star Wars a number of times. And this line that, that uh, Mary says here, she says, this is no room. This is an accident. And that <laughs> reminds me of when Obi-Wan, yeah. Kenobi, it's when Obi-Wan Kenobi says, that's no moon. It's a space station. <laughs> <laughs> when they see the Death Star for, for sure. the first time. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, I didn't think the mom was a terribly good actor, actress. Oh, I, I, I thought know. she was I just okay. Her. I don't I mean, know. No, I get what you're saying. Um, Some of the lines were just so <laughs> flat, but maybe that was how they were intended to be. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the... Less attention is given to the adults. That's something they all talk about in the podcast and Spielberg yeah, talks about. Like it's a very, it's a very child-focused movie. I don't want to make a deal out of it. I don't think it's that miraculous that he shot the movie at a low level at the kids' eye line. That's a lot is yeah. made out of that. And Spielberg himself says that's like Tom and Jerry, and we even see Tom and Jerry on the screen on the that's TV right. at one point. And uh, but you know, I mean, how else are you going to shoot a movie that's full of little things? You know, you you're going to shoot it from a lower angle, aren't you? I mean, it just seems to be rather an obvious detail. But, yeah, that it's a kids' um, movie and it's filmed from a kids' perspective. It's yeah, that's right. And so I think the adults are are sort of sideline characters. You're right that Mary yeah. doesn't stand out apart from one or two moments. She doesn't stand out greatly, as um, she doesn't draw our attention away from the kids too much. Maybe that's intentional. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, the person sure. the, the person in the movie has the, who has the funniest lines is definitely Gertie. Oh, I mean, it definitely Gert, is. Her comedic timing is fucking incredible. <laughs> uh, it's spot on. I know I was going to say that. Is it that she has the funniest lines or is it just that she's the best at delivering them? Um, mm. She is, yeah. Both. Some of her lines are really good, really quick, really, really well delivered. And they're just really short little little yep. lines. You know, they're just really, yep. really short little bites, sound bites. 
but they're just yeah. so good. Totally. Definitely yeah. stole the show. Totally. Um, so we meet her here in the next scene. Um, is quite a bit about her where they're in the closet and um, my our Elliot announces that he's keeping him, so he's going to keep ET. He takes possession of him, mm-hmm. um, and she wants to know what it is and. Uh, is he wearing clothes? Um, and they they're trying to convince her that they can't they can't tell she can't tell her mom about him that That's she can't right. tell she can't tell mom about ET. Um, yeah, says, they offer. They, they yeah. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you nope. go. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just fucking go. They threaten to twist the arm off her dolly, which seems kind of harsh. And and yeah. then ET ET. You see E.T. with an emotional response, just purely delivered by the face, um, that he feels compassion and empathy with yeah. Gertie. He, he thinks, oh, poor Gertie, that's oh, terrible. Oh, I know. I loved her line whenever the um, whenever Elliot says that only only kids can see him. You can't tell mom only kids can see him. And she just goes, <laughs> right. give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny. So funny. A couple of times um, she says, I'm not stupid, you know. And like she's a, <laughs> she does, and and again, it's like this uh, this intelligence thing. Like Gertie is smart; they're all yeah, smart, and yeah. uh, and she and she makes that clear a few times. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, so from here, we cut back to the um, the bad guys um, looking for ET mm-hmm. that they've got. They're taking photos. They've got their Gaga counters, um, and yeah. the uh, keys is there again. So we always, this guy yeah. always has a big bunch of keys. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to Elliot's house. Um, so we've got Gertie in the hall, and she said she's going in to play with Elliot. She calls her mum Mary rather than mum. So, that so, was funny. Really that's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. Is that like an 80s parent thing where parents just did not want to be called mum and dad? It was the same in our house. It was the we same had to call them Eileen and Ronnie. You know, we weren't allowed to call them mum and dad. <laughs> it's so weird, but whenever I tell people that, they universally find it very strange. <laughs> I know. I know. It wasn't it Patrick Matthews who once said that we don't we don't have we don't have parents, we have an Eileen and Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um it is so weird though, isn't it? Like yeah, very strange. Mm-hmm. But that made me laugh whenever she called her Mary. Yeah. Um, and she said she's off to play with Elliot in his room. And they're comparing E.T. to a pig. Um, yeah, she says, is he a pig? He sure eats like one. <laughs> <laughs> E.T. has uh, yeah. a big plate of food, which consists of a whole bunch of different vegetables, as well as a cheeseburger. <laughs> 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 I didn't notice that. I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, it's got the top missing. The top part of the bun is missing, so it's like a burger sitting on top of all its vegetables. <laughs> ah, funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and they're trying to figure out where he's from. So they show him yep. the globe and they show him the map and everything else, and then he makes the planets float. So this is the first time we see this skill, this talent that E.T. has, where he can make things float to levitate, right. yep. um, which is kind of cool. It freaks him out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's saying that he's from outside of the solar system, pretty much, isn't he? Yes, that's right. And then we, um, the scene closes out with, uh, again, uh, Elliot just standing underneath the lamp, directly underneath the lamp. It appears he's just got his face in the lamp. I don't know if, it, if right. they, I don't know how they shot it so that it wouldn't damage his freaking retinas. But they must really have been weird. The lamp. Yeah, and then um, he gets the sense that maybe he's sensing something in ET that. The MKs, Mr. Key, Mr. The man with the keys and his uh, chums are somewhere nearby. Yep. Something scary is going to happen. And there's this sort of feeling of foreboding. 
Definitely, definitely. And then we're outside, we see the red light. Um, it's weird that they've got a big red light in their back garden and um, <laughs> we hear the beeping and stuff. So the beeping's getting closer, obviously, to the house. Right. Um, and then we cut to the scene where E.T. is listening in on um, the mother, Mary, reading a bedtime story to Gertie. They're reading, I think it's Peter Pan. Are you sure? Isn't no, we, we're not there yet. Oh, shit, you're right. Hold on. There's oh, E.T. is inside reading. E.T. is reading himself inside. So he okay. has a book. Um, he has a book. E.T. has a book and he's looking through the book. That's right. Uh, there's a certain point. I'm not sure exactly where it happens, but the flower E.T. Um, brings he the brings flower back, back to, to life. life. Yes, which is another skill that we learn that he has where he can heal things. Yeah. And interestingly, it's cast as healing here, but but and I think that's what's intended. Um, the writer of the show, Melissa Matheson, said that she talked to kids. I think it was her or the producer, but I think it was her. I'm not sure if it was her or the producer. I forget. But um, they actually talked to kids to find out what kind of special powers they'd like them to have. Yeah. Um, like a like a focus group or something. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the yeah. things she was surprised that they said was that they wanted them to have the power to make owies go away or to heal. Oh. And so that's that's sort of why that's in there, I think. And then, uh, but I think it's marvelous. Um, um, but also, well, I'll get to that. Back to that. But also, um, I thought that this is sort of reverse entropy. So if you, this is similar to what the batteries not included um, uh, robots did. They could, oh, they could, yes, they could okay. reverse entropy things, and um, put them back to the way that they were. Yeah, we're seeing it as seeing it as healing here, but actually, what's happening is a sort of reversal of the yes. state of something in okay in the, that makes sense you see what i mean um and you can imagine what they had to do to get that shot was actually just to reverse the footage. exactly <laughs> yeah, see, so, but yeah. we're seeing it we're seeing the backwards entropy working again here et's doing that he's got that skill um yeah very good mm-hmm. um so then we cut to the morning and he's off to school um, they they meet a big group of friends at the bus stop and they're asking where his goblin is um, and did he come back or not and uh, he lets them know that he did that it's a spaceman then he cycles off on his, bu- on his bike so this must be the bigger brother is off to a different school, the high school and right. uh, we see Mike on the bus looking quite um, I guess, not sad but a bit I don't know, he looked a bit He's disturbed <laughs> Yeah, disturbed He's, uh, For sure Yep. And uh, mum's at home, she's suspicious, um, and E.T. is hiding like a teddy. And amongst mm-hmm. the teddies, we see him in the closet. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, at school, get... sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's it. At school, um, they're direct dissecting frogs. Um, he's doodling pictures of E.T., and then we start to see him kind of falling off his chair. Um, E.T.'s at home exploring, sniffing. Um, he's wandering about in his dressing gown and he starts to eat and drink out of the fridge. He has himself yep. a few beers and we see <laughs> Elliot getting drunk. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's drinking some Coors, I think it is. Coors Light, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And he's bumping into counters all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see Tom and Jerry on the TV. Elliot's belching in school, like he's just had a few, knocked back a few cold ones. Um, yep. And he and causes the, a bit of drama. And in the background, we hear the teacher explaining about the frog dissection. Yeah. Um, and one of the one of the things he says is that the, you'll notice that the heart is still beating. Um, and I think that's like there's oh, a, it's gross. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a, there's a direct comparison sort or a, a unconscious connection here between ET and the frogs. Yeah, you that's know, right. Um, in the previous scene, we've had Gertie asking, "What is he?" And now they're studying frogs. Um, yeah, which is get, essentially getting at the anatomy of the frog. You know, what is it inside? You yeah, know, we get asked. We we ask this question about ET as well. Um, and uh, the heart still beating really just tells us, you know, ET is Elliot's heart, <laughs> more or less. I do, think, do I do reckon... think this is hinted at a lot. It's a heart, innocence, um, the absent yeah. the feelings, the emotions associated with the absent parent. That's what's all being summed up in ET. Yeah. Yeah. Do you reckon that um, they would actually do fraud dissections at that age? Like he doesn't yeah. seem like he's in a teenage, like he's not a teenager, is he, Elliot? Like he's definitely, I would say, around nine or ten at the most. Did you do frog dissections in school? Because I never did it. No, we, we didn't, didn't do that. Do UK I doesn't think, do that. I don't think. I think they maybe used to do it. Um, but they just don't anymore. At least back yeah. in the 90s, whenever I was at school, they didn't do it. Um, yeah, Elliot's class does seem a bit young to be direct dissecting live frogs, for sure. Definitely. It's mad. Yeah. Like, they're wandering about with fucking cotton balls of chloroform on them. Like, what? Like, they're, they're kids, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Elliot causes a bit of drama. He lets all the frogs out of the jars. Um, he gets sent home from school. Um and mm-hmm. meanwhile, at home, um, E.T. is making a right old mess. Um, and he starts to make, um, he gets an idea of how to make that phone from a TV show that he's watching and from a comic that he reads. That's right. He sees the phones and uh, we see, again, we see e- the, the cleverness of the facial expression being used when E.T. You actually see him having the idea. You see yeah, his facial expression right. change. And right. Elliot, at the same time, has this idea to save the frogs. You yes. know, see if ET yeah, see yeah. the frogs and release them all um, because the poor frogs are going to die in there. And That's it. We have to let them go. And then this is just this glorious shot of when he kisses the girl. Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> he's like recreating the TV show that um, ET is watching. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that again is just another one of these moments. I mean, okay, a certain amount of this has to come down to the writers and the director's genius, but a certain amount of it has to come down to the movie itself and how the movie itself just seems to emerge out of movie culture and mythology and and have these blossoming moments. (laughs) You know, (laughs) it just happens. They're all created. I know they're all created, but from when Spielberg says to the writer, write me a script about this, to when she writes it, to when they hire the actors, I mean... From that point, there's no way to predict anything that's going to happen. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's a sure. sense in which it just sort of comes together. It's like the Beatles forming. It's like yeah. Paul and, and John and George and Ringo. You know, that's random. That random element, that magical elements come together and then something happens. And then all these songs get made that, you know, there's a <laughs> yeah. sense in which we aren't really the ones doing it. But, but are they really it. that good? Like the Beatles songs, are they really that good? Like, honestly? Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Did John Lennon not hate most of them? I thought John Lennon hated most of their popular songs. I think they might have come to despise the earlier stuff. I'm not sure, um, like, the, the stuff that made them popular to begin with, the rock and roll yeah. stuff they wanted to get away from because, you know, the fans would be screaming and they couldn't play it, and then they... <laughs> They had to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I. But then the later stuff, I don't know. I actually don't know much Beatles lore. I just know some of the music. But yeah, yeah. yeah but you yeah. know what I mean, though. You get the point. I'm making sort of that when the magic happens, it just happens. 
But do you not think that the missing piece there is the viewer? Like the viewer has to has to have that emotional connection with the movie for that to take place. So the director and the writer and everything else creates the movie, but it's the viewer that creates the emotional response that you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. We The viewer is definitely a participant in the movie. Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, and also in the movie getting made, I think, you know, I mean, uh, it's that that element of, of how the movies, um, there's a sense in which, that's sort of what I'm getting at in a way. It's like the movie itself arises, it emerges as a thing, the same yeah. way songs do um, from us for sure. Yeah. But also not just from us, but from the world as a whole, from, you know, the universe itself is sort of making these things and they're sort of, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, not <laughs> say, I'm not saying this very well, but it comes to life in a sense. It has a life of its own. It's yeah. sort of what I'm trying to say. And that's something like what's I think happened. It's, I think it's you that is giving it that life. It's you as the viewer that has given it that life. Okay. Do you not think? Because I mean, you yeah. have a much stronger emotional connection to the movie than I have. Um, right. You know, so it definitely comes, I think a large part of it definitely comes from the viewer and what they okay. see and what they take from it and their emotional response to it. Now, they could mm-hmm. respond in a way that... Um, the director and the writer and everybody else had hoped they would respond, but they're mm-hmm. depending on the viewer to respond in that way in order for the magic to happen. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I, I go along with that for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely true that all of this. I mean, in my my own personal philosophy, I rely a lot on the concept of experience and how yeah. everything everything we experience. Uh, and everything we do is at the end of the day an experience we experience doing we experience viewing and doing and all the other things we experience are experience and so essentially it is all experience the movie itself is experience of course and so yes that's absolutely true that's true but then you can ask you can ask that question of where does experience where does experience itself arise from you know yeah um right that's sort of what I'm getting at. That I, I, all I'm really sort of saying is that there's a limit to how much we can attribute to any one individual, whether it's Spielberg, the writers, the actors. There's another element. Yeah. And that element is the thing that's emerged here that's telling us even in as it's emerging that it's emerging and it's happening almost. It's got its own voice. Yeah. I don't know how to articulate it. It's, <laughs> Maybe, as you're saying, if it's something to do with the fact that we are the experiencers, then the voice might be us. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How did we get to? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh we frogs. were talking about the frogs and him kissing the girl. Yeah. And the yeah, that's right. Yeah. That magical moment. Yes, for sure. Um, and then from there, we cut to home again. So we see E.T. has made a right old mess of the house. Um, there yep. are beer cans everywhere. Um, he is kind of wandering around whenever the mum gets home with Gertie. So Gertie's finished school or play school or um, what do you call it in the States? Kindergarten. Um, She doesn't notice uh, E.T. just wandering about. She's too busy doing other things, um, which I just find totally um, insane. Like I think he walks past her two or three times right in front of her and she doesn't even notice that he's there. Um, Mm -hmm. So is that maybe a way that Spielberg is pointing out the intelligence of the kids on one hand, but the not lack of intelligence, but lack of 
awareness or lack of um, yep. being present in the moment of the mother as she's so distracted by everything else that's going around that this alien walks past her twice, almost brushes up against her, notice. and she doesn't even notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then He's even daughter, making noises. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know, for sure. Like that there's, she's picking beer cans up off the floor and crisp bags. Like that she's, it's yeah. just, she's just doing it. Like she's just picking them up. She's, not, she's on autopilot. Yeah. And she's yeah, not even for really, sure. she's not like who drank all the beer. <laughs> yeah. What's all this stuff doing here? Um, yeah. Daughter wants to introduce him. She's carrying dry cleaning and groceries. Um, then the phone, the, the phone rings and it's the school and they want her to come and collect Elliot because he's intoxicated um, and she asks, are they sure that they have the right Elliot? And then we have um, another another classic 1980s moment where the little toddler is just left at home to fend for herself while mum goes to school, mm-hmm. um, which is just another, it's just mad. Like, what age do you think Gertie is? Probably six, five or six. Something like that, yeah. Around there anyway, and she's just left at home alone. You, you stay here, little girl. I'm going to nip to the school really quickly. Like, yeah. why would you not just pop her back in the car? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we knew um, she needs to teach E.T. how to speak. So this is where she's teaching him about the phone. Um, and we hear the, the mom. Actually, is this whenever they get back? So she's teaching him about the phone. And then we cut to the mum coming home with Elliot. So Elliot's back mm-hmm. at home now. Um, right. And we hear the mum on the phone again talking about how she's not going to pay for any frogs. She's not paying for any frogs. Um, and uh, Elliot goes off to find, up to his room to find E.T. And here's, here's this, his sister chatting to E.T. in the bedroom, her bedroom. Right, yeah. Um, during the course of that, um, she says, here he is, the man from the moon. Uh, she calls him the man from the moon a couple of times, Gertie, um, which is a layered comment, but more more later. Um, she's also at some point, did we get to the point yet where she's teaching him how to speak? She, there, yes. She's watching the TV show. That's so again, right. there's, this, there's this aspect of literacy, education, learning communication. Yeah. Um, one of the things Elliot says to the frogs is, is, can you talk when he's talking to the frogs? That's right. And uh, at this point, E.T. learns to say be and good. And yeah. then he wants to say, be good and uh, forming simple sentences. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And uh, yeah. Yep. And then, okay, so it's up to the closet. Uh, we cut, actually, there's a cut to later where, because at this point, isn't this the point where she's got him dressed up in a costume? That's right. So Elliot's at home now. He heads up, finds him dressed up in um, in a costume, dressed up. Um, in a skirt and a blouse and is wearing some makeup and has rings on his fingers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, one of the comments that he make, makes is that um, she should give him back his dignity. You should give him back his dignity. Yeah. Um, this is where he starts to talk about the phone and he says, E.T. home phone and then eventually mm-hmm. E.T. phone home. Um, right. And uh, Gertie said, says that he wants to call somebody and... Uh, and then his big brother arrives home and he's like, oh my God, he's talking, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah. then we cut to um, <laughs> the men in the van who are now have taken to the streets of the city and they're driving around listening in on people's conversations. That's right. Um, there's, uh, there's another great transition 
with Mike from Michael when he when he comes into the room and he's all jolly and then he sees ET and ET starts talking he's like oh my god he's talking now yeah <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah there's a couple of, and then uh, even Gertie says a couple of times he can I told him to talk he can talk now um That's it's right. all about the talk 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 ET's talking and I to me this is like Elliot's sort of heart as is which has come into his world and is outside of himself um is now talking and it's talking and and so now we're we're listening and it's like there's yeah. a list, I don't want to be corny about it because it's it's <laughs> it's not and I don't I don't want to oversim I don't want to oversimplify <laughs> the idea of ET as Elliot's heart. Yeah um, I mean it's strongly suggested by the movie with the glowing chest and the yeah really sure. strong and the fact that the fact that Elliot and ET don't share thoughts they share feelings specifically so that's right that is another idea that's another suggestion that it's the heart and here we're learning to listen to the heart so we're, the heart is now talking in the movie and and uh has a oh, voice yeah, okay yeah so it's so I and I wrote down here what keeps hope alive so what you know because what's being overshadowed somewhat is that the father is a part we didn't get a huge setup it only got hinted at really that that the divorce has happened and the father is away and absent from the house and so there's a well, there's a there's a, there's an emptiness right and the emptiness funny is because um back at the the scene in in the dining at the dining table where we learn that the father's away from mexico that comes about because i think it's the mom that says why don't you call your dad and tell him about it and he said and he said i can't call him he's in mexico um, right. So now there's this whole thing with E.T. who wants to make a call. He wants to call his parents, who who we think are his parents or call his, his thing. Is this actually right. a manifestation of Elliot who wants to call his dad, but he can't Good because his Jesus. dad's in Mexico? That's perfect. I never thought of that. That's yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very Filling good. back to the start of the movie, it, mm -hmm. you know, it was... It was said right at the beginning i can't call him he's in mexico with sally oh, i think it. was the name of the girlfriend 100 um, wow mm -hmm. what Good. a breakthrough simon i feel like this is a proper therapy session yep, anything else absolutely. you want to chat about <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what comes up <laughs> um and then um, at this point also michael says he doesn't look up or maybe it's when they're digging around in the garage i forget they're digging around in the garage for stuff for et to make that's contraption. Right. and michael says he doesn't look good and 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 uh michael says, says we are fine or no elliot say, yeah. says we are fine he's, yeah he says we are fine and michael's like what's all this we you know yeah. he's starting to wake up to the fact that there's this there's this uh connection strong connection between elliot and et Definitely. which is um physical uh, as well as emotional Definitely, and they come across some of their dad's old stuff, like his yep. dad's shirt, and they start to talk about like the ball games and the popcorn fights that they're reminiscing. Yeah. Um, even like the the shirt smells like his old spice or whatever. Totally, and then you know, uh, to me, it's like really telling that it's an empty shirt. It's a shirt with no body inside it, so there's no yes. hands, no fingers, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. nothing can give you a hug. It's just a, a lifeless shirt. That reminds yeah. you of the person that used to be in the shirt, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, mm -hmm. Mike says, we'll do all that stuff again, or we'll do all that again. Um, mm -hmm. And then from there, we cut to the mother who's reading Peter Pan, which is a story about a boy who doesn't have a family. Oh, God, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely lots of um, really interesting themes being joined yeah, up. Totally. I mean, she's reading to... Um, 
Gurdy, which again is the literacy and educational component. Um, it's sort of like a, it's that it's sort of what I was describing earlier. It's the, it's the, the combined, I don't know how to say this. It's like a ball of, of stuff. It's like reading, education, knowledge, yeah. intelligence, but also family, caring, yeah. attentiveness, Definitely. Um, you know, um, trust, confidence Definitely. building, you know, Gertie is smart. And this is why she's, this is one of the reasons why she's smart because this is a family with resources and a lot yeah. of care and love. Right. And time, um, you know, there's time, the time. there at bedtime, you know, she's not working in a, in a restaurant or somewhere else exactly. where she has to work at night, you know, exactly. The drawn out time is so key. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And of course it's Peter Pan, which is more fairy tale. And uh, yeah. that's the point where they're talking about poison. And of course, one of the things I was going to do for this, for our episode on ET was make a list of flying characters. I didn't really do it in any detail, but Peter Pan was on my short list um, of um, fictional characters who can fly or, or yeah. for whom flying's not their normal mode, but they occasionally do it. Like yeah. um, thinking about Peter Pan, say Dumbo, uh, Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and obviously there's the whole, obviously fairies can fly and and this is brilliant because she's right at that point in peter pan where he's saying you just have to believe if, if enough people believe then he can fly yeah you for know? sure yeah for sure well wishes play wishes come up again later on in the story um wishes come up again so that's it for et part one like and subscribe for et part two our insta is shutup.world our website is shutup.world and you can email us at that rewind show at gmail.com